I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the YearbookWise Podcast. Hello there, friends, and uh, I feel like I've been saying it a lot to you recently, but it's been a while. It's uh, been all I could do these first few months of school to get some time to get in here and record to, uh, to produce some new content for you. School has been uh, crazy busy, yearbook things and, and my other teaching responsibilities as well, and I'm, I am trying to keep it all in balance with family time and house needs, time with my wife and our kids and, and all the rest of it. Things are good, uh, just real busy. A few months ago, I was invited to give the keynote address at the Garden State Scholastic Press Association's Fall Conference. That conference happened yesterday at Rutgers University down in New Jersey, and I wanted to share that message with you as an episode of the podcast. Many of you know that I've been involved with the New Voices movement in New York. I'm one of the facilitators of that, uh, speaking up for student press rights and press freedoms and uh, working to ensure that the Empire State's student journalists have full access to their First Amendment rights. I shared a message uh, with the New Jersey audience uh, that speaks to empowerment of student voices in scholastic media in their schools. The New Voices New Jersey movement is in fantastic shape. They passed unanimously out of the Senate Education Committee last June and are well on their way to getting their bills to the floor um, before January this year. It's really uh, exciting and uh, a momentous time for uh, New Voices New Jersey. So I hope you enjoy this message. And uh, as ever, I'd invite you to be in touch at iteachyearbook at gmail.com or to find the podcast on Twitter at at yearbookwise. But for now, here's my keynote message from the Garden State Scholastic Press Association's Fall Conference. Good morning, and um, thank you for the the warm welcome. It's an honor uh, and a privilege to be back here at the GSSPA Fall Conference. I was here, I think, about four years ago, uh, and I bring you greetings and best wishes from New Voices New York, our allies and student journalists, our advocates, our hard at work uh, in Albany. We have kind of a weird legislative session where uh, they work for half the year, but for two years. So we are uh, on hiatus until January, so we will be sending all of our energy uh, as uh, Senator Gill suggested to you and to Trenton for a successful passage there. Uh, we're cheering you on with every step that you take through the legislature. In December 1965, uh, a junior high school student, her brother, and a group of friends went to school one day wearing black armbands uh, to protest the United States involvement in the Vietnam War. Having heard of that planned protest ahead of time, the school board and principal came up with this kind of last minute policy that said nobody's allowed to wear black armbands at school. When young Mary Beth Tinker and her friends arrived at school on December 16th wearing those armbands and refusing demands to take them off, the students were suspended. Now, I imagine that some of you know the rest of the story. After a four-year legal battle, the Supreme Court of the United States determined in 1969 in a 7-2 to decision that students do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Now today, for student journalists from coast to coast, the means they have to access their full constitutional rights have much more 
to do with the location of that schoolhouse gate than the truth of the stories that they're trying to tell. Because you see, in 36 states, school administrators have the right to intercede and curtail your speech. They can stand in the way of your journalism and truth-telling, limiting the scope and reach and impact of your work in your school and community. As a result of the short-sighted and muddy language in 1988's Hazelwood versus Kuhlmeyer decision, principals and other school officials can sidestep the Tinker decision and engage in prior review and outright censorship of your work if they believe that it's inconsistent with the shared values of a civilized order or if their actions are, quote, reasonably related to legitimate pedagogical concerns. Like I said, it's a little bit muddy. In the 30 years since Hazelwood was decided, administrators have cited it in the censoring of good and worthy, meaningful, impactful student journalism, stories that needed to be told and never were. Often, allies, like the incredible staff and lawyers of the Student Press Law Center in Washington, D.C., hear that student journalists were shut down because administrators were worried, get this, that it would make the school look bad. That's funny and almost ironic in a way, don't you think? I mean, what could make a school look worse than not validating their students' voices? Then saying your interests and concerns and struggles, the things that matter to you, the things that you care about, we're not gonna let you talk about them. We're not gonna let you publish stories about them. I'm here today, and so happy to be here, to tell you that your voices matter. Your stories matter, your journalism matters, and if you join us at the National High School Journalism Convention next month in November in DC, you'll hear once again that now more than ever, your journalism matters. Because if you don't tell your stories, who will? We learn by doing, and all of you are doing. You are practicing journalists, practicing in both senses of that word. You are trying it out, you are getting better at it, much like you might go to soccer practice. You're improving with each story edited and each feature broadcast. Practice as habit making. Two, you're practicing as with a profession. Senator Gill is a practicing lawyer. You are practicing journalists long before you'll ever walk across the stage to pick up a diploma. And you should all aspire to model your practice on the professionals with whom most of, or some of you, will no doubt one day work. The Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics is a model to all of us. First, they teach, seek truth and report it. Second, minimize harm. And third, act independently. And it's that third part that many school administrators have difficulty with. Often principals aren't comfortable with you acting independently. Now thankfully, it's many, but not all. There are plenty of principals and superintendents out there who believe in the power of student voice and student media. And we're lucky to have them as allies and advocates. I hope they are the kind of principals and school officials that you're working with. I, for one, work in the Corning Panda Post School District in upstate New York. It's about five hours that way, I think. Our principal, Robin Sheehan, and our superintendent, Mike Janowski, are vocal and ardent supporters of our school's student journalists. And I'm proud to say that they see fit to live out our district's motto, which is students are the center of all we do every day. It's not students are the center of all we do when it's most convenient for us or students are the center of all we do as long as those students don't make us look bad. It's students are the center of all we do, full stop. 
And in that I read, student voices and perspectives matter. In spite of the phone calls that Mr. Janowski receives from concerned, perhaps overzealous community members when our yearbook is published each spring, he knows that he knows the day the book comes out because that's when the phone calls start. He stands up for a free student press. I'm quoting him here. In my 20 year administrative career, I have learned that students are the eyes and ears of a school and district, and they have powerful stories to tell as a result. As the superintendent, I also want to know what kids think, unguarded. I believe wholeheartedly that bringing the things they see into the open in a responsible manner will only strengthen school communities and ultimately schools will operate more effectively. He continues, I value what my students think because ultimately they are my number one customer and I need them to have any real chance of improving our schools. Adults can live in the past and frankly most do. Therefore, it's important to me that we let the students create and cover the issues that they see as important. I'm very, very lucky. But too often, students' voices are silenced and advisors are threatened when those with power seek to shape or stifle the narrative. Now, what does that censorship look like? Well, examples from our ongoing work in advocating for the Empire State's student journalists have brought to light more than a dozen examples of prior restraint and censorship in our schools over the past few years, as well as many anecdotes about administrators' intentions. Here are just a few. A superintendent at a neighboring school district to ours stated to one of my students, who's one of our New Voices New York student advocates, that he reserved the right to review all of the content in his school's newspaper and yearbook because, quote, we need to attract new families to town, and I want those publications to make us look good. This approach is, of course, in direct conflict with the SPJ Code of Ethics that I cited earlier, in which student journalists are instructed to act independently and to be free of conflicts of interest. Journalism and public relations are two separate things. Administrators in Queens, afraid of how a negative press, sense a trend here, will make their school look, they told their student journalists to turn a blind eye to lead in the water fountains, even when it was already being covered by the New York Post and the Daily News. At Edward R. Murrow High School in Brooklyn, a principal edited a story in the newspaper, removing sentences describing an elite track student-athlete's struggle with street life for fear that it would tarnish the girl's inspirational story. Shortly after the newspaper club at the Young Women's Leadership School of Astoria began, an editor posted an editorial she wrote on the hallway wall because the club didn't yet have the means to publish. The editorial found fault with the student government and suggested reforms that would democratize the organization. The principal tore down the article and the writer was not allowed to go on a school field trip to a Broadway show because she failed to quote to uphold school values through her actions. There's an uphill battle with the school district at Valley Stream Central High School in Long Island. The design editor was told that their entire winter issue of the school's newspaper was not going to be published because the administration said that a poem about sexual harassment was controversial. They weren't able to publish any other papers for the rest of the year because of that poem. Two years later, the administration shut down the paper entirely over an article about racial achievement gaps in the school district. Discouraged, students stopped showing up for the club. The advisor was afraid for his job security, so he stopped advising altogether, and without an advisor, the club couldn't run. 
The administration at a school in the Bronx would sit on the paper for weeks as they reviewed it for publication. It's called prior review. The advisor would have to ask repeatedly for the admin to release the edition, but the administrators would never get around to looking at it. They effectively wasted the student journalist's hard work. By the time the issue came out, the news was old and of little relevance and inaccurate because things had changed in the meantime. Lastly, at the Bennett, the school paper of Frank Sinatra School of the Arts High School in Queens, students were discouraged from working on their paper after the principal took her red pen to three-fourths of the articles in the paper. My students got to the point that they were saying, why should we do this? They're going to cut it all out anyway, said the Bennett's advisor. Now that brings us to the scourge of self-censorship, the place in that mindset where student journalists have been so beaten down, so stifled, so discouraged that they think to themselves, they're never gonna let us publish it anyway. So why even try? Why waste my time? Each month in those 36 Hazelwood states, I've no doubt that there are dozens, if not hundreds, maybe even thousands of cases of self-censorship of stories that have failure to launch. They need to be told, but students have so internalized the overreach by the administrators that they stifle themselves. They silence themselves. That's wrong. It's sad and it's wrong. And what's more, censorship and self-censorship disproportionately impact female student journalists. Again, I say, that's wrong. In a 2016 study conducted by journalism professors at the University of Kansas, 38% of students reported that they had been told by a school employee not to discuss a topic in their student media. When split by gender, it was 41% of the girls and 28% of the boys that had been told not to cover a particular topic. Female student journalists are told, like all girls, to be nice, to be good girls. Female student journalists are expected to cooperate and to compromise. Cooperate and compromise? No. Stand up and speak out. Raise your voices in service of good journalism and truth-telling. Question authority. Challenge the status quo. Share the stories of the marginalized and those who are made to feel less or unimportant, those who are not included, those whose stories and concerns are overlooked. Do it with professionalism and maturity. To be clear, I'm not just some guy from New York telling you all to raise a ruckus. A little ruckus? Yeah, a professional, mature ruckus. But don't think for a second that you need to co cooperate, compromise, and give up. Please, don't give up. And let me note, before I go any further, how I started. Student journalists are journalists. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Student journalists are journalists. Don't for a second let anyone suggest anything less to you or try to minimize your voices and your stature. They'll say, come on, you're just kids. That First Amendment stuff doesn't apply to you. Maybe they'll feel like Indiana State Representative Wendy McNamara from Mount Vernon. They'll feel like Representative McNamara when she shared in the Indiana New Voices uh, hearing that students' brains, quote, aren't fully developed yet. And thus, you students aren't entitled to full access to your constitutional rights. Let me repeat that. She said, you don't have sufficient brain development to be granted your rights to expression and speech. It's ridiculous. 
You're doing journalism, and both you and it are worthy, and your brains, my friends, are doing just fine. Let me talk for a minute, too, about yearbook journalism, because the crowd in the first group was wall-to-wall here. There's a few less of you here and now, and I get the sense in working with New Voices New York and with yearbooks at large that people think, well, like, they cover the hard news, we're just yearbook. Student journalists are journalists, and yearbook journalism is journalism. And if you, my friends, are working at a school or within a school district where people higher up, administrators or otherwise, feel that all you need to be covering is the homecoming queen and the football team, it is time to move into the 21st century. I'm proud that our kids cover vaping and our trap and skeet club and our trans students and politics and current events and climate change and Star Wars and Visco Girls. I get it. I've been well trained. I've been well trained by my editors. Listen, yearbook journalism is journalism. And I'm sure that at least five advisors in the room just kind of wanted to duck and cover and go under their seats. But let me be really clear about this. You students are better protected than the advisors. And it is your voices that need to be raised. And to be abundantly clear about it, it is your voices that you need to raise sometimes to defend and protect us. Because when a principal gets frustrated or angry, we are the ones that can be stripped of our duties and removed from the room. They think if they cut the head off the snake, that it will just wither and die. But here's your superpower. You're student journalists. And I, as an advisor, am not the head of the snake. Like, if anything, I'm the butt, right? I just get to, like, chase along afterwards, right? You have resources, like the Student Press Law Center, splc.org, like JEA Scholastic Press Rights Commission, JEASPRC.org. I know it's a mouthful, but they are the first two places that you go when your journalism, and again, it is journalism, is challenged by those in authority. You need to tell the stories of your entire community, and that goes way beyond the homecoming queen and football. It's time to step up if you haven't already. The days of captions and picture books and comic sans, it's like comic sans, don't get me started, are long, long since over. Now, in the years after September 11th, uh, I remember watching as a US-led coalition swept across the desert in the first days of the Iraq war. I, along with millions of other viewers, was able to watch from the front lines because of the mainstreaming of embedded journalists. More than 750 journalists accompanied troops into active battle zones. It wasn't an entirely new phenomenon. Wartime reporters brought news from war zones to homes throughout the 20th century and even before that. In the early part of this century, however, it was the scale and the scope of coverage that stood out. As we watched cable news or the big four networks or breaking news online, we could count on daily reporting coming straight from the front lines. So student journalists then have a strikingly similar and special opportunity. Like those wartime correspondents, all of you are embedded. You have unique access to both your subjects and your audience. You're there. You are right there living life next to your subjects, day in and day out. It doesn't stop with access, though. You student journalists have a unique credibility and standing with your audience. 
and the means to break down barriers to your reporting that no adult or outside journalist could ever hope to enjoy. It's unfortunate to note too, that with the stresses and obstacles facing more local daily newspapers, those newspapers are downsizing both their human resources and the column inches with which they can cover your communities and schools. In places where those outlets close altogether, they leave what we call news deserts with no print coverage and perhaps only meager local broadcast coverage. According to the University of North Carolina School of Media and Journalism's Center for Innovation and Sustainability in Local Media, there are 225 counties in the U.S. with no newspaper. Another 1,528, half the counties in America have just one paper, and more than likely, that's a weekly. So, what's a student journalist to do? In the case of the students at the Pell-Mell, the newspaper at Pelham Memorial High School just north of the Bronx, they took matters into their own hands. When their local paper, the News of Pelham, shut down, a father, who's a former journalist and an advocate for student journalism, brought together a group of students, and together they founded the Pelham Examiner. It's an online-only news outlet for their town of 13,000 residents. The Pelham students are just one example among many others across the country. Student journalists stepping up in their communities to stand in the gap for the sake of good journalism. Now, I'd like to get back to that special status that you have as embedded journalists. At their best and perhaps most tenacious, student journalists are making massive differences in their communities, and you can too. March 2017, Dr. Amy Robertson is appointed principal of Pittsburgh High School in Pittsburgh, Kansas. After the announcement, reporters at the school's award-winning newspaper, The Booster Redux, met with Robertson for an interview. They followed up on some details from Robertson after the sit-down. It's that old adage, trust but verify. Your mom says she loves you, check it out. And verify, well, they tried to. As the students started researching Robertson's credentials and resume, they found out that things weren't adding up. So instead of a routine, welcome to Pittsburgh feature, highlighting their principal's goals and plans, for the first year of her administration, they went to print with their findings that her master's and her doctorate degree were granted by an organization widely considered to be a diploma mill, one with no physical address and one that had already been on the Better Business Bureau's radar for its shady practices. Robertson resigned from her $93,000 a year job before she even started. And the school board went on the record in thanking the staff of the Booster Redux for their reporting and professionalism, particularly in light of the national attention the story garnered. September 2018, Burlington, Vermont. Four reporters at the Register, the student newspaper at Burlington High School, are the first to break the news that their director of counseling services, Mario Messias, was charged with six counts of unprofessional conduct by the Vermont Agency of Education. The reporters had followed up on a tip from a classmate and they published an affidavit and the list of the six counts from the VAE in a really straightforward news piece. The school's principal directed the register's advisor, there's that thing again, to remove the article from the paper's website. She did. And the students immediately contacted the Student Press Law Center, again, splc.org. The students felt pressure to accede to the administration's wishes because they didn't want to jeopardize their advisor's employment or standing at the school. But 
as multiple professional news organizations pursued the story, they corroborated the student's reporting. And then the school district instituted a mandatory 48-hour period of prior review for all of the register's content. Now, prior review that way means you finish your article, you send it to the principal, and they have two days to look at it before it can then go online. So say goodbye to breaking news. So this is the part of the story when we need to get in the time machine and flash back to one year earlier, September 10th, 2017, when Vermont's governor, Phil Scott, signed the state's New Voices Bill into law. It prohibited prior restraint of student media, except in cases where the content is the type of one of a very short list of unprotected types of speech, things like invasions of privacy, incitements to violence. Among the students to testify in favor of that New Voices Bill before he signed it, students from the Burlington High School Register newspaper. And now, a year later, the bill they helped pass to protect Vermont's student journalists was itself protecting them. In fact, after just one day under this 48-hour prior review policy, the district's superintendent and school board president rescinded it, restoring the register's staff editorial independence at the end of a whirlwind week in which the Associated Press, Fox News, the U.S. News and World Report, and other national outlets covered the fiasco as well. There's this really strange thing happening. When students get censored these days, other news outlets pick it up. It happened in Flushing, New York. Students were doing reporting uh, at the Chronicle, I think it was called, uh, on school climate. And in a piece that one of the students wrote that featured quotes from 12 students, a sophomore boy said, you know, of my eight teachers, I feel like only three really care about me. The principal censored the piece and the newspaper. It should maybe go without saying, he doesn't work there anymore. One reason why, the New York Post picked up the article and ran it themselves for the kids. And it got many tens of thousands more views than it ever might have otherwise. Now, Messias in Burlington was eventually stripped of his license in Vermont and fired by the Burlington School District. And it was the students at the register who had the story first. It was their story to tell, and they were the ones best equipped to tell it. Finally, a somber note about the power of student voice and student journalists telling their stories in ways that only they can. In the aftermath of the tragedy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in February of 2018, the student journalists at two of the school's publications, the Airy Yearbook and the Eagle Eye newspaper, found themselves in circumstances that I don't think any of us can imagine. They more than rose to the occasion, banding together to memorialize the 17 lives lost that day redeveloping dozens upon dozens of spreads in Airy and publishing special remembrances in both publications. Just over a month after the events of that day, the publication's advisors and many of their student journalists sat on stage at the Columbia Scholastic Press Association's spring convention. And as they shared their story of recovery and ongoing healing and with not a dry eye in the house, I think, one of the students shared a sentiment that's gonna stick with me for the rest of my life. She said, we knew, we knew that there's no one who could tell this story better than us. It's ours to tell, no one else's. And that's what I want you to understand this morning. No one can tell these stories better than you. They are yours to report and yours, in some cases, to fight for. And that's what brings us to New Voices New Jersey. It needs you. 
Senate Bill 1176, thank you again, Senator Gill, and Assembly 238 are currently under consideration by the New Jersey legislature. And I'm thrilled for all of you to hear of the strength of your campaign, which actually has its earliest roots all the way back in 1988. You can thank that guy right there. The fight for the Garden State Scholastic Journalist's First Amendment rights has been going on that long, and it looks like this may finally be your year. The most gratifying sign, as you already heard this morning, is the 6-0 unanimous vote that got 1176 out of the Senate Ed Committee back in June. That, along with the strong advocate that you have in Senator Gill and her colleagues. How about another round of applause for Senator Gill? With their support and the coalition of allies, advocates, and lawmakers you have, things are looking more promising than ever for you. Now that said, there's still a lot of work to be done. And while no one person can do it all, everyone, everyone can do something to push for a successful conclusion of the New Voices New Jersey campaign. Now, first of all, you're going to see at the table out in that little circular area, a postcard that looks like this. You need to pick one up, you need to put your legislator's address on it right here. I'm gonna show you in a second how easy it is to find that and how easy it is to look them up. You might think of personalizing it here and speaking up for your voices and the voices of all of the students in this room and all the students not in this room, speaking to the power of scholastic journalism and how important it is that you win this fight. Other things you can do. You could add your New Jersey legislators to your publication's mailing list. If you are a print newspaper in particular or a lit mag, or a magazine, you should send copies of your publication to those legislators. You can brainstorm advisors with your students. If you could write about anything in our school publication without being told you can't, what would you write about? That is to help us get after this self-censorship thing. We need to be talking about mental health. We need to be talking about suicide. We need to be talking about vaping. We need to be talking about climate change and we need to be talking about racial gaps in academic achievement. We need to be talking about school lunch policies where kids can't go to prom because they have money outstanding on their student debt. You need to be talking about all of this freely. We need to be talking about gay kids and conservative kids. And let me be very, very clear with you. New Voices is a nonpartisan, student-driven, grassroots movement. I had somebody come at me and say, oh, this is just because you're liberal. Like, you just want liberal things to happen. I said, dude, said dude, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. I said, please understand, if I have the benefit of working at uh, a school district, or if I happen, I should say it this way, to work in a school district or at a school with a liberal principal, one could do a thought experiment to think that maybe they wouldn't cover the trap and skeet shooting club that we have at our school. We live in a rural area, so we have a shooting sports club. A liberal principal could shut that down just as easily as a conservative principal could shut down coverage on trans kids or gay kids. It goes both ways. This is not at all a partisan issue, and it is your fight. You should call your legislators. Um, we're going to do a, a little thing here, because I know I've got to take some questions. It's going to help wrap us up. Um, raise your hand if you're a New Jersey resident. Put them up. Keep them up. All right. I'm going to take you through a couple things here. Raise your hand, keep your hand up if you are still in high school, okay? Keep your hands up if you're a student journalist. Good, all right. Keep your hands up if you have a phone on you right now. 
Okay, good. Keep your hands up if you like Starbucks. Okay. Now, I will say, full disclosure, I'm asking you to do a thing, but I've got a Starbucks gift card right here. So, if you come up to play, I'm not messing around. We're gonna do a thing. You're gonna call your legislator right now, and you're gonna ask them to speak up on the bill. How about, yes, you, you just put your hand down. Yep, yep, third row behind the guy with the vest. Yes, come up here. <clears throat> now, I'm gonna have to go off mic here uh, because my computer's down there and it didn't quite reach, but just, I'm gonna ask you guys to, we're gonna do this, we're really gonna do this, but I need the room quiet. You have your phone on you? Yeah. And it's Grace, right? Yes. All right, what I'm gonna do is put the New Jersey State Legislature's website up on the screen. How many of you have ever called your legislature before, legislator before. All right, how many of you fully confess that you are not comfortable on the phone? Look at Grace, this is gonna be good, all right? Here we go. All right, so, and I do want you to listen because this is how easy it is. You're actually gonna make this phone call, you ready? Awesome, you like Starbucks? Okay, not yet, all right. First, first, and Google can get you there, you can say New Jersey Legislature. Come on over, Grace. All right, you got your phone ready? All right, New Jersey Legislature. So we click on New Jersey Legislature. Now, if you happen, it's like super tiny. All right, over on the left-hand side, find your legislator. That's what we need to do, right? You know what town you live in, right? That's important, all right. All right, find your legislator. Now. I, I will say, Senator Gill, if you can put in a word to the, the webmaster, this isn't great, but there we go. Okay, now there. There we go, there we go, all right. Uh, now, what we're gonna do is, uh, you might not know, I, you know vocabulary, municipality. That means your city or town. So we're gonna go to municipality over here on the right-hand side, and uh, what's the name of your town? Norwood. Norwood, Norwood, starts with an N. So I can click on N right here, and I go to Norwood. You live in District 39. Hi. Do we know anybody in District 39? Senator Logano. Oh, let's see. Let's see. She got it. Let's see District 39. Oh, Cardinal. Yep. Senator Cardinal, Assemblyman Robert Uth, and Assemblywoman Holly, any help? Chapizzi. Thank you very much. All right, we're gonna roll the dice. Okay. Uh, assembly person, probably better than Senate. We're, we, need to, we need to do some work there in the Assembly, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, Assemblyman Ott or Assemblywoman Shapizi? Shapizi? Shapizi. All right, which one do you want to do? Shapizi. All right, here we go. Our goes to our school, full disclosure. All right. So here we are. This is Grace's Assemblywoman in District 39. Now, it's really this simple. Now, are you thinking to yourself right now, like, what am I going to say? Okay, what am I going to say? Well, have I got a thing for you. <laughs> I did most of the work here, all right? So, my name is, this is like ad-libs, Grace what? Grace Kim. K-E-N? K-I-M. K-I, excuse me. And I'm a student journalist from, what's your publication? The Lance. From The Lance. At what school? Um, Northern Valley Regional High School, Japan. Northern, sorry, Northern Valley, Valley Regional, Regional High School. High school. At yeah. How do you spell that? Uh, uh, old 
and then T A P P A N. Got it. Old Japan and where? Old Japan, New Jersey. In Old Japan, New Jersey. See how easy this is, Grace? Yes. Are you stressed out yet? A little. All right. <laughs> Good. The caffeine will help. Uh, now, you can edit any of this, and you could edit any of this, but let's. I, I believe that student journalism matters, and I'm asking. Now, you want to be careful just to say it. All right, genders matter there, all right? And we're gonna go back to Shapizi. Shapizi, all right? Whoops. S-C-H-E-P. To support, and we can get rid of the Senate part. As journalists, we should have full access to our First Amendment rights, free of censorship from school officials. I hope we can count on and watch this, we can just grab this and copy it and paste <coughs> it. And you, Grace, are ready for Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> you got this? Yeah. All right, let me, let me make this all on one screen. Let's do this. And sorry, the formatting is a little bit wonky. There we go. All right, can you read that? Out loud. Grace, come with me. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to practice. Okay. Right? Practice is good. All right. We okay on time? We're good, We're good here? We're doing all right. So uh, you can just kind of lean in okay. this way, Grace, mm -hmm. and take a look up there. Okay. And do you do theater at all? Or? No. Okay. This will be yeah. good for you. Yeah. Good. All right. Okay. All right. Take it from the top. Uh, good morning. My name is Grace Tipp, and I'm a student journalist from the land at Northern Valley Regional High School in Old Japan in Old Japan, New Jersey. I believe that student journalism matters, and I'm asking Assemblywoman Chapeezy to support Assembly Bill 238 for session. As journalists, we should have full access to our First Amendment rights, free of censorship from school officials. I hope we can count on Assemblywoman Chapeezy for their support. Please share this message message with them and thank you for your time and having it today. There it is. How about a hand for Grace? <laughs> We're not done. She's really going to do it. So it's right there. The okay. 201, the top number. Pull okay. out your phone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put that back up. Now here's the thing. And everybody's going to be a little bit different. I'm sure Senator Gill could probably inform this for a little, for us a little bit. She could have a secretary, she could have a chief of staff, she could have an intern answer. We have no idea what we're about to walk into. So as much as the script is there, you kind of just got to be ready to flex and figure out what's going on. And do you have to press three or can you leave a message or do you get like Helen, the secretary or something like that? I don't know what's about to happen, uh, but we're going to be quiet. We're going to be strong for Grace. And um, I'm actually going to have you put your speaker, your phone okay. on speaker okay. so that we can also hear it here. And I think we're, we'll see what's going to happen. All right. You good to go? Yes. All right. I'm going to put you up here. And um, you, could, you could simply say, I'd I'll put it in the script. I'd like to leave a message for okay. Assemblywoman Trapezi. Uh, go ahead and start dialing. Okay. And uh, put it right next to the microphone. Hi, I'd like to leave a message. Of course. Um, my name is Grace Kim, and I'm a student journalist from the lands at Northern Valley Regional High School, Old Japan, in Old Japan, New Jersey. Okay. Um, I just believe that student journalism matters, and I'm asking you to support Assemblyville uh, 238 this session. Um, as journalists, we should have full access to our First Amendment rights, 
free of censorship from our school officials, and I hope we can count on you for your support. I'd just like to share this message. Um, okay, thank you for I, your time. I will, I will be happy to leave the message for the assembly woman. Okay. Thank, thank you. you very much. Have a nice thank day. Thank you for calling. Like, I have chills right now, man. Like, it's so good. So good. She's using her voice to protect yours and protect the voices of all the others. Are your advisors here? Are you guys, you, uh, like, seriously. Wow. Nice job, Grace. Well done. Friends, for sake of wrapping up, because I'm going to get the hook, please understand, you are not defined by what others say that you can do, say that you can think, say you can imagine, write, or create. I want you to speak up and to speak out. And I want you more than anything to remember that these are your stories to tell. And if you don't, no one else will. Thank you so much.